it's going to take a little bit of that rebel factor away from skateboarding. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast. I'm your host, Nostalgia FB, and we're excited to be chatting with Sid, aka Vicious274. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on your streaming platform of choice. This show is sponsored by Finger Space Co., which provides fingerboarding gear for riders of all skill levels and budgets. Sid, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's an honor, actually. I love your podcast. Man, we appreciate that so, so much. How are you doing, first and foremost? Hey, I mean, you know, we're all going through... I guess the same things right now and glad to finally be getting to the tail end of it and uh, just, you know, living day to day, I guess, is all we could do right now. Straight up, I hear you there, but I hope in this conversation that we're about to have, we get to focus on the bright side and, you know, maybe touch on some really good moments that you've been able to have, so to speak. Before we start, just for the sake of, you know, transparency, like I just told you before we started recording here, I've been watching you for the last 11 years. I credit you along with four other individuals to that have really you know inspired my fingerboarding life so to speak and without you and these people that i'm about to name off i would not be where i am today and when it comes to fingerboarding my brand or any of it so and especially i think you helped you know sort of raise an entire generation of fingerboarders so it's you michael williams aka izilly mike of course mike schneider and gary chin aka weak fingers weak fingers yes i'm very familiar with gary listen i mean it's crazy when i started fingerboarding i never expected to be anybody's inspiration i was just doing what I saw everybody else do. And honestly, when I started making my videos, I wanted to try to keep them as real as possible, like have a conversation with the other person that's watching on the other side through comments or through me speaking through the camera. I never, never expected to have that kind of impact on people. And I am humbled when I hear that. So, I mean, dude. Thank you so much for that compliment. It's crazy. Of course. I mean, we've texted a little bit back and forth in the past. And I I told you straight up that you are pretty much my main inspiration for how I do my videos. Because it's not a like a mirror image of what you used to do. But there is an influence of that of, you know, none of these fancy edits or any of that, so to speak. But more of having an actual conversation with your viewer and actually showcasing different things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and (laughs) it's funny that you mentioned the fancy editing and stuff like that. When I started getting into making my videos, I had the crappiest equipment possible. <laughs> I was using a, my webcam. My, I was using the movie maker from Windows. So there really was no option for me to do like amazing edits or like that. So I tried to keep it as simple as possible and just have fun with it. Because if it started to feel like work, then that was it for me. Man, I hear you there. And I think that in and of itself translated, like you mentioned, into you being so real and, you know, honest. And what we were getting was you. I mean, nothing else. And I think that's what really helped grow your your channel, so to speak, organically. Yeah, I could see it too, because it was started like there was a slow incline. And then it just like people were just subscribing and subscribing and subscribing and even I was like what is going on man this is people would message me they're like oh my god your videos are amazing and I'm like really okay that's awesome I'm, I'm so glad that you're loving them man. that's what made it fun for me I'm so happy to hear that but before we dive into the into that too much let's take it back to the beginning I think I know your origin story of fingerboarding a little bit with your nephew and all that but how about oh you tell god you remember that though? I remember that I I'm telling you I've been watching you almost since day one um, oh, 
But, uh, you know, tell the viewers and or the listeners, how did you hear about and get into fingerboarding? Well, it's exactly like you said, my nephew, uh, Nicholas, we had a well, cottage slash trailer and brought up, I remember it like it was yesterday. He brought up the tech deck red spine ramp and a few of his fingerboards. And I was like, what on earth is that? I was a skater back in the day. Right. But at that age, I couldn't really do it anymore. Shot knees, getting older, you know, all, you don't know how it is, but you, <laughs> and I hope you don't, I hope you don't find out how it is, but that's how it was for me. And he's like, yeah, you just do these tricks with these boards on these ramps. And I would do like random flips off the spine. I would just flip it and then hopefully land. And I was like, this is awesome. And then, uh, you know, time went on and I'm gonna see if there's anything online that I could find out about this. Cause I was really late to the game. Uh, 2009, I think Tech Deck started in what, 99, even way, maybe before that. And then I found YouTube videos of people using like these little wooden ones. And that's when I went down a rabbit hole. I was like, video, 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 video. And to tell you which was the first video that I saw, couldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. But I know the first person that I saw that I was like, damn, I want to do that. And it was Elias Asmuth on the Black River team. Of course. And I saw him and I was like, this is insane. I've got to do this. And I remember my first board I bought off of eBay. But I don't know if you remember the company. Oh, yeah, you probably remember the company, Fingerdex. Yes, I do. Yeah, I got a Fingerdex D2. And the funny thing is that deck back then had the very square nose and tail that everybody's riding today. Yeah. And I got super flack for using that deck because of the squared nose and tail. <laughs> it's funny how things... Uh, yeah, it's super weird how that happens. I was thinking about this, you know, preparing for this interview and, you know, the kind of questions that I've asked. And I definitely want to touch on the way things have shifted and, and all that good stuff. But one thing I guess mentioned pretty briefly, it's kind of weird how almost every company back in the day, Roswell, you know, Prowood, Redemption, Fingerdex, all of the shapes were always like weird numbers and letters. I don't know. I don't know. It's just something that sticks out to me from, you know, the 2009, 2010 era that, you know, it was all very specifically numbered like that. And I remember when you were sponsored by Redemption. I'm not sure if you still are or not, but I remember you when you would have boxed the, uh, what was it? The MMC and your first graphics that were put out by them. Oh man, that was, I never thought I would have my own graphic deck and they released three of them. And Jordan was only able to send me two because I believe the first one was a limited run and he <laughs> completely forgot to send me one, which is fine and it's cool. But then I ended up at going to a rendezvous, uh, one of Mike's rendezvous. And oh man, why can't I remember his name? But he came up to me and he was like, listen, I know you don't have this graphic and I want you to have it because it's yours. Wow. And he gave me the first graphic that Jordan had ever made. And I nice. was like, that is insane. So I, I got his address and I repaid him. I sent him a whole bunch of stuff. And But it, the deck was not used. He just bought it to have it as a show deck. And I was like, wow. That's awesome. That's really awesome to hear. So you starting in 2009, your first videos were really put out, what, in late 2009, early 2010? I started, I believe my first video was posted November 1st, 2009. And the yeah. reason why they offhand is also the same day, a few years down the road, that I quit smoking. Congratulations. So they both, uh, the, thank you. They both have the same... Uh, Man, so you start in 2009, your nephew, you know, gets you kind of hooked or introduces you to the world of fingerboarding you... You go down the rabbit hole, like you said, you get hooked. I mean, it seems like those first couple of years, everything happened so fast. So can you kind of try and break down this timeline for us? 
you know, what happened over the next two, three years? Beginning, I started talking to, oh man, there's so many names down, uh, it's like 12 years. I believe his name was Jordan also, but he wanted to do kind of like a Canadian fingerboarding news type deal. He asked me if I would do the segments for him. And that's kind of how it started to grow because I started building in different segments into that news show, like shout outs, what to expect in, later in the week. So I would break down my week where the, the Monday would be the news show, then Tuesday would be unboxing or review. I mean, sorry, then Wednesday would be an unboxing and a review. And then Friday would be either another unboxing review or a fingerboarding video. The shout outs really helped also because at that time in YouTube, you had to write it on the wall. So I would reply on their wall saying, expect your shout out. And then I guess people started watching, friends started spreading the word. Hey, listen, if you want to get a shout out, check out this guy's channel. Just ask for a shout out, he'll do it, this, that, and the other. But surprisingly, out of all my videos, people tend to tell me they enjoy my unboxings the most. I don't do many unboxings anymore. I am still sponsored. I'm sponsored by Berlin Wood and Flatface. I don't do much anymore, but those are the ones that people really seem to grasp was my unboxing videos and I think they said that the impressions every time I would see what I pull out of the box like the stickers or the extras or the actual item itself and they would I guess kind of feel elated themselves too I don't know yeah it's definitely I can say as one of your viewers it was definitely living by curiously watching you and do all these cool unboxings and stuff and I remember that I think you are one of the individuals that started the obsessions with stickers and fingerboarding because you would show each sticker individually in your videos even if it was like 30 of them each one would be showcased and now that um, I look, now when I look back on this why did I do that why did I have to show every single sticker I mean people must have got so bored <laughs> seeing the same sticker over and over and over again man I love it you know I think about that with my own videos nowadays I'm like do people really still but you know it is what it is yeah you can't change it it's out there man and I'm gonna keep all my videos up I haven't taken down a single video since I've been posting videos. I know you already answered the question and you know it's you never intended to sort of inspire anybody with your videos so to speak but your videos I mean transcend generations and you know fingerboarding generations you know are very short-lived so to speak because you've been around long enough and so have I to you know 2010 golden era fingerboarding it explodes 2013 2014 it dies down for some reason, there's a revival like 2016, 2017. Again, it dies down. And then, you know, the pandemic hits, which is terrible. But one of the positive sides I take or I look at is that it pushed a lot of people inside to fingerboarding again. Yeah. So, and that's what Gary said to me. I'm home doing nothing. So I started making videos again. He asked me how come I'm not uh, active in making videos anymore. And honestly, it's because I opened up my own business a few years back. And it's a uh, it's a 24-7 thing for me. Like the last few fingerboarding videos that you could see on my YouTube channel and Instagram, they're all on my office desk in my store <laughs> yeah that's the only time that i have i can't do it at home anymore because by the time i get home you know there's family dinner dog and all kinds yeah. of responsibilities right so it's completely completely understandable you know i feel the same way so to speak recently i, I took on a new job position which has taken up a lot more of my time and I can't even imagine being a business owner and a manager. That essentially is your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is quite a bit of downtime, usually in the afternoon. Set up the camera if I'm going to make a video and hopefully nobody walks in while I'm recording because they'll be like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, it's been okay. I try to do a video every now and then when I can. Mainly it's been for those flat face stuff like that. So I try to keep active with the team, but I'm hopefully going to try to get back into just, you know, doing at least a week, a month. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Man, that would be awesome. But, you know, take your time. You know, you do you and, you know, business comes first. But you mentioned it earlier you know, your two current sponsors. And I like how you, very humble individual, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm still currently sponsored Berlin Wood and Flatface, you know? But to those of us listening, you know, these are the two behemoths that have, you know, run fingerboarding for so long. Who were you sponsored by first? Berlin Wood or Flatface? Oh, I believe I was sponsored by Wood first. And when I when Timo reached out to me, Timo and I are, are friends. Like, we became friends before I was even a team member. He was like, listen, the reason why I never reached out to you to be a team member is because I know you're affiliated with companies and doing all these reviews. And I'm like, no. I'm not. I, at that time, I was sponsored by Redemption. So when he was like, he would love for me to be on the team, I was like, listen, I got to talk to my current sponsor and see how, how he feels about it. So I spoke with Jordan. I was like, Jordan, I really appreciate everything, you know, you've done for me with Redemption. The hybrid mold is still my favorite mold. <laughs> and he totally understood. He was like, listen, Sid, you got to reach for your goals. And if that was one of your goals, then go for it. He was super supportive. And then the other one with Mike and Flatface, I was at a rendezvous. I forget which one it was. And he was starting a flow team at the time. So he just approached me during the rendezvous. Again, me and Mike are, were friends on the team. He said, do you want to join the flow team? I was like, sure. And then it went from flow just to being on the regular team. And that's really how it went down. <laughs> nice. So... For everybody listening, you hear that it happened, you know, organically and naturally. You know, I would assume by saying it was never your intention when you started fingerboarding to get sponsored. No, no. I think the only time that I submit an uncut video for AM sponsorship and I tried it out and I was like, yeah, if I get it, I get it. Uh, but honestly, I was like very early. I yeah. think it was only a few months yeah. after I started fingerboarding. So what was I thinking? <laughs> no, I think we've all we've all done it. All of us have have done it and so it's okay you know fingerboard events before the pandemic hit you know they were at their all-time highest i mean uh just recently out here in las vegas we had the fbl the fingerboard league event i don't know if you've you've seen them pop up the usa fbl it's uh ran by an individual trying to you know legitimize fingerboarding and kind of put a, an actual league together kind of like street league so to speak what was your first fingerboarding event? Because one of the most popular series or playlists on your YouTube channel is all the rendezvous videos that you have done. So that is true. So an actual first fingerboard event that I attended was yes. rendezvous eight. It was that long ago, <laughs> rendezvous eight. And the funny thing is when I went there, there's this massive line and we're all waiting to get in. And as soon as the doors opened, people just flooded the doors. I was like, this is crazy, but awesome at the same time. <laughs> and then the following event that I went to, I think I went every April after that for a few years, Mike actually turned to me and he said, I want you to introduce everybody into the rendezvous. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I want you to go out to the doors, open up, do your spiel, whatever it is that you do to get the crowd hype. I was like, and this is my second event that I went to. And I was like, floor. And then again, like I said before, I went to a few events after the one was Rendezvous 25. And then actually, I even hosted some of my own events here. And I met a lot of people that I'm still friends to this day. Roland Campbell is one. And then after that, I did an event called Northern Exposure Without Borders event. And oh, man. What was his name? Why can't I think of his name now? But it was, he reached out to me. He was like, listen, I know you're local. I was wondering if maybe you can help me out. Maybe getting some sponsors for this event or attending. And I was like, listen, dude, I'll do anything that I can. 
uh, what day is today? The 22nd? I don't know. Today is the 22nd? August? Yes. Okay. So 28th, I believe, the coming Saturday, there's going to be an event here um, at the Woodbine Beaches that I'm going to be attending. I didn't approach to help sponsorship or assistance anyway, but uh, I'm going to be attending it next week. Nice. It's good to hear about more events popping up. Kind of like you said, we're at the tail end of this thing, making everything kind of come back to some type of normalcy. Yeah. And if I can give him a quick shout out, uh, his Instagram yes. is at six skates, the number six in skates. He's the one hosting the event. Man, that's awesome. I want to talk a little bit about Canada and the Canadian fingerboard scene because it's, it is very, very strong out there. The companies, the different individuals that you have up in Canada, it is very, very, very strong. Um, some of my Finger, paper fingerboard brands are up there but before that i kind of want to touch a little bit more on the history of that you have with Flatface and rendezvous um because you've been going to rendezvous way before the warehouse was a thing can you kind of touch on the evolution that you've seen in regards to that and those events and that type of stuff the first one that i went to it was more of like a i don't want to say wedding hall but i remember there was like a little bar area where they had like all the food and drinks and everything set up so it was just an area that he would rent out at that time but then he actually got his own warehouse and that's when my blew up i mean there were kinds of people there i'm talking about all walks of life all ages because the first few rendezvous that i went to i was in my mid-30s at that time and it was a lot of younger individuals doing the fingerboarding and rightfully so i mean it's a young person's sport but then when the warehouse came around it just it was everybody everybody was it was insane and that the evolution of it i can only imagine and still it is still on my wish list or bucket list however you want to refer to it to, to be able to go out to one in the future because it's just you know it's kind of the mecca behind a fast fingers events out in uh, in germany absolutely i 100 percent agree with that okay so talking about canada and for those you know if you haven't figured it out sit is up in, in canada what part uh specifically Ontario. toronto you know there's a lot of great fingerboard companies out there but how was the scene in Canada when you first started fingerboarding? Did you ever look for one? Did, was there one already established or were you kind of the one to bring everybody together? To me, it seemed like it was non-existent because I didn't, did not know of a single Canadian fingerboarder. And then a few years down the road, I met Matt from Joy Cult through YouTube. He reached out to me, you know, asked me questions about making videos, this, that. And then we just kind of hit it off and started his company, as you know, Joy Cult. And then I met a few people through him, Dylan McFarlane being one of them. And I just started to notice that there's more and more people. It seems like every event that I go to, it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And that's what happens. It's, it's funny how we mentioned before about the whole being this peak with YouTube. And I find that YouTube is been a huge tool in spreading the love for fingerboarding i mean and also at the time there were forums forums were really big as well mm -hmm. like ffi being one of the biggest ones and people would be like hey where are you from where are you from and then oh my god i'm local and then they then they would meet up and it's like it was like a slow building process but it, it's uh it's a lot bigger now that's for sure very 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 true like you mentioned with joy cult for example you know matt who runs one of the biggest if not the biggest wheel company at the moment i had the honor of speaking with him on the podcast and interviewing him and he credited with you know showing him a lot and introducing him to a lot of things and helping him out in the very early early stages of the company 
you know, he says, you know, you gave him a lot of feedback and products and different things. I did. I, I listened to that podcast. And when I heard him say that, I was, again, I was not expecting it. He never told me he was going to say that and texted him. And I was like, listen, dude, I, I really appreciate the kind words. And you know that whenever you need anything, I'm literally not even an hour away. I, I can be there for whenever you want. Like I, I've gone to all of his events. He was supposed to have one this year. Unfortunately, it got postponed. Hopefully it will happen. But yeah, I try to help him out as much as I can whenever I can. He's a really good dude. And I'm glad that I met him. Awesome. I'm really, really glad to hear that. You know, you touched on YouTube being a really big tool um, in, in spreading the love for fingerboarding. But for the longest time, besides the forums, it seems like it was the only tool, so to speak. How do you feel when you kind of saw the transition from YouTube over to Instagram when it, when it comes to fingerboarding? Because in my mind, and in my heart, YouTube is still kind of where it's at. Like everybody that's, you know, big or whoever else or who has a presence usually still on YouTube. But the vast majority of us transitioned over to Instagram. In the beginning, when videos were starting, I don't remember if there was a specific time. I don't know if they had the 10 second frame or if it was a six second, like the old vine. But I felt a little bit of a disconnect only because I'm from the fingerboarding generation that like to see montages and minis, not just single individual tricks. You know what I mean? Even though mm -hmm. I started that way, the only reason why I did that was because my skill set wasn't where I wanted it to be to actually do a full length mini or montage. But as that progressed, that's where that's what I enjoyed watching was longer set videos and so when instagram came around with their format i kind of felt like a little bit of a disconnect and that's why i didn't really gravitate to that medium at first but now they're they have the instagram tv or the reels or whatever it's called now where you can put longer videos yeah so i'm still find it harder to find something specific if that sounds weird i guess maybe it's just me i know they have the explore section and everything yeah but I, I still like the idea of going into YouTube, going into the search bar and looking up fingerboard event. I'm like not doing like hashtags or anything like that. I guess that's the old school part of me, but that's just the way that I've been doing it lately. Very well said. And I agree with you. I got back into fingerboarding. You know, I took a, a different career path over the last, man, what is it now? Four or five years. And I was still involved with, you know, kind of on YouTube and on Instagram and with you and watching different people and kind of staying in touch. But when I really came back to it last, year because of the pandemic i never thought about it that way but there definitely is or was or i felt a huge disconnect it was like coming into a whole new fingerboarding scene so to speak i found having to you know transition over to instagram or learn the new way things get put out how to try and you know show or get an audience not for the sake of getting views but just you know developing a circle around you if you, if you kind of mm -hmm. if it makes sense what i'm trying to say is what's completely different and the one thing i find on instagram especially it's like if you don't post every day or every two days it's very easy for you to fall off on You're youtube lost in the shuffle. on youtube if you post once a month you'll be good you know but it's a very high-paced environment and that comes with its pros and its cons especially because back in the day if you wanted to start you know a fingerboard company or whatever the easiest route that a lot of people did was through ebay but you had to do your marketing and different things on YouTube and mm -hmm. try and actually develop a market or a demographic 
And it seems like on Instagram, it's every other day or every day there's new fingerboard companies popping up left and right, which isn't a bad thing, but how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm definitely not going to tell people not to do it because if that's what your heart wants to do, then by all means, go for it. And if you end up being successful at it, it's just more fingerboard love to go around. You know what I mean? I just hope that these companies that are popping up, that they're not doing it to get the quick fame and the quick buck. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it because you love to do it. And people are going to know that. So they'll know that by the quality of the product and your passion for your product. So, I mean, it really does end up being the consumer that decides whether these companies are going to fail or succeed. Very, very true. I mean, ultimately, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, different companies. If you're not, if you're the saying of, you know, no shit leaves the shop, so to speak, if you have garbage coming in and garbage coming out, you know, you're not going to stick around very long. But with that being said, are you still, I mean, I see you on Instagram often, like, you know, I freak out a little bit every time I see you like one of my posts or whatever else, just because I still look at you as a very influential figure. But are you still active or up to date on Instagram or any socials, even though you don't post, but are you still looking on them? I'm, listen, I'm, it's like you said before, if you don't check it every day or every other day, you get lost in the shuffle. I like to make sure that my feed is completely checked every time I go on. I'm one of those users to everybody that I follow. You know what I mean? I want them to know that, you know, I'm not just some person who clicked follow and then I'm not going to check out your post or anything like that. I want them to know that if I'm going to follow you, I'm going to check you out and see what you're posting. And I make sure that they know that by liking whatever that they put up there. I'm not as active as I was in regards to like fingerboard stuff. It, my Instagram, vicious 274 is all of me. It's my fingerboarding, it's my family, friends, and if you follow me, you're going to get all of not just yes. fingerboarding. What was that like? When you first started, did you have any, you know, quarrel or question about kind of integrating this, you know, I might get flack for saying this. I don't take it in a negative way. I don't think it's a negative connotation. Did you have any quarrel with introducing this toy to your life and kind of integrating it completely like on all your socials and stuff? Surprisingly, I was getting a lot of positive support. It's only after I gained and I hate using this word popularity, but what I would do is whenever I would get a hate comment, I wouldn't like retaliate and make a revenge like, with a revenge comment or anything like that. I'd just be like, yeah, okay, hey, thanks for the view. Come by and check it out again or something mm -hmm. like that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be like, see you later. Have a good day. <laughs> That's about it. Family and friends? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, they kind of were like, what is this that you're doing? But a few of my friend circle, not really with my family, because it was my nephew that introduced me to it. So they were already, they already saw what was going on. And they, yeah. Like, if he likes doing it, let him do it. My daughter, she was really young at the time, probably around five or six. And she even started to try to get into it. She Man, that's crazy. That's crazy to think about. I mean, yeah, I, I remember her seeing her in some of your older videos and she just recently had her at a birthday, you know, like 18, 17 or 18? 17, 17, yeah. That's crazy, man. How time flies. Oh yeah, it is crazy. She actually got her belly button pierced today. Oh my gosh. She's an adult, man. She's an adult. <laughs> think of what she is. <laughs> Oh boy. The way you mentioned it, having a disconnect, I never thought I would feel a disconnect in fingerboarding because, you know, we were all so united on YouTube because there were only so many of us, you know, quote unquote active or posting and we all kind of just ran around the same circles because we all had the same influences. But now with the introduction of Instagram, I mean, it is ridiculous the amount of circles or clicks or different companies that you have out there that people follow, whether you, you know, not the hype beast. I don't want to use that that term, so to speak, but it's, I feel like I don't understand it sometimes. Well, I, I completely understand what you're saying because in the beginning, it was, like you said, a very tight net community. 
So it was easy to interact with everybody because it wasn't as big. But with the new medium of Instagram, it did blow up. Honestly, it is hard to keep in touch with everybody or follow everybody or see what everybody's doing. There's companies out there that people talk to me about. And I'm like, honestly, I haven't even heard of them. Whereas with the hype of the YouTube days, you know what everybody was doing. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I mean, I guess it's kind of a bad thing because you don't know what's seen, but it's kind of a good thing when you do find out something new in the scene. You know what I mean? And you want to see what they're up to and how they're contributing. And you just discover new companies and new people on your own time or when it happens, like you said earlier, organically. When it happens, it happens. Yeah. To add on to what you're saying, I think one of the biggest or most important things it did was connecting everybody around the world, so to speak. I mean, I can say now I have a fingerboard friend in every continent that I talk to now that you know i know relatively well and we can chat and all this other stuff but it's like everybody is so connected but so it feels like everybody's so separated at the same time with social media altogether absolutely i mean i feel the same way as you did because i've met and have friends all over the globe because of this i mean i've had people from germany portugal u.s stay at my house because of fingerboarding when i went to portugal i met up with a couple people there because of fingerboarding had it hadn't been for fingerboarding i never would have met those people and same within the states i mean mike schneider's parents met my daughter and my wife and and we are to this day still friends it's doing tricks on this little board and the next thing you know you're making friends for life it's crazy it absolutely is and that recently happened to me last year with my sponsor mescal bert mescal fbs you know i i didn't even find the guy through fingerboarding sites the only reason i found him is because i found out on my tattoo artist him and I happen to share the same tattoo artist out here in Vegas. And I saw when my tattoo artist posted a piece that he did on him on his Instagram, I saw the underscore FBS and I was like, what? And then I saw that, I messaged him, found out he was from LA, he just happened to be here in Vegas. We started chatting, but you know, a year later, I've stayed at his house, he's come over here. I mean, I've met parts of his family, his wife's family. I mean, he's met part of my family. It's, it's just insane how it happens. Yeah, it absolutely is. And oh man, getting a memory now. I remember in one of Michael Williams, Izilli's vlogs, I remember specifically that you and him were on like a Skype call or a Zoom call. And that was like one of the biggest crossovers that made my mind explode that you two were connected at the time because he's out in, where is he in Denmark? Um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember watching that and I was like, this is insane. Two of my worlds are clashing. Uh, it's funny because when we did that video, I was super nervous because I was a huge fan of Mike's as well. And so we're doing the Skype call and I don't know what happened to me. I just clammed up, hardly spoke. And I, I, I could even see it in his face like, Sid, what's going on with you? Why aren't you talking? <laughs> you were the guy that talked, say something. So I felt so bad for him. I apologize. He still posted it. I'm so sorry. Well, I don't know what happened to me. And um, yeah, it's like he's a prime example. You know, life happens. He used to post a vlog every day. Like, that was his thing. Now he hasn't posted in years. But I mean, he's still around. I know he checks out yeah. my stuff because he likes my stuff. I like his stuff. So I mean, we keep in touch every now and then. Not that often. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I like using his videos or your videos always for example. 
results because people will always ask me, you know, what do you think of this or that or that? And a lot of the stuff you've already done videos or he's already done videos on it. And I'm just like, just go watch their stuff. You know, I can't say any better, especially when it comes to fingerboards and deck making. When I started making decks last year, I mean, I remember watching his stuff way back in the day. I mean, back to the old Bondo molds and everything else, making split plies. And it just baffles me with the amount of people that I've talked to that have no idea who he is or his videos and all that plethora of information is there. But once I tell them, I give him his uh, YouTube link and they watch it, they're like, dude, this is insane. How have I never heard of him before? Things like that. And the same thing when it comes to you, because you did raise or inspire a whole generation of fingerboarders, but there is a new generation coming up now that, you know, maybe haven't heard of you or anybody else back on YouTube yet. And it's funny that you say that. I went to a couple weeks ago. I met this, uh, this guy, I believe his Instagram is Motions. I hope that that's what his name is. Very recently that I started connecting with him. He had no idea who I was, but he was filming me, taking photos. We were all clean, getting to know each other. He wanted to make this video for his, for his Instagram. I was like, sure, you want to film me while I'm doing some stuff? Absolutely. After when I left, Steve from phase one, he was like, do you know who that guy is? And I had no idea if he was saying this. And he goes, that dude is a legend in fingerboarding. And whenever somebody says that um, I'm a legend, it is truly very humbling because I don't consider myself a legend at all. I just love it as much as anybody else. But when he found out who it was, he, <laughs> he messaged me. He goes, he said, I had no idea I was in the presence of a legend. Thank you so much. And I was like, listen, dude, I'm just, a fingerboarder like you you know we had fun and we'll do it again at the next event oh man it's like you said there's a new generation out there that don't know about the people that were did it before them that's just natural that's going to be yeah. any sport any event anything i mean the people who love basketball today like i'm a huge michael jordan fan the generation today love LeBron. I still think Jordan will always be the basketball player ever, but that's the debate that my generation is going to have with the new generation. I see what you're saying. I'll give you an example that recently happened to me, or not recently, but you know, a, a few months back. I was at a local mall out here, and I was in a shop, a skate slash music shop called Steadhams. And it was a cool, you know, I play guitar and, you know, a couple different things, and I was in there just checking stuff out, and I saw that he had some skateboards up on the wall, but I thought nothing of it. I went down the mall, Went to Zoomies, picked up a couple of things that I needed, and I asked about that shop, and the guy was like, do you not know who that guy was? And I was like, no, and he was like, that's Steve Steadham. He was on the original Bones Brigade team. And what then the I'm hell? Yeah, and then I'm sitting there like, oh, that's cool. And you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it was just like a mind-blowing situation. But it's like, yeah, like you say, it's just naturally what occurs. Yeah, yeah like it's funny that you bring up skateboarding too, because the the Z Boys, the you know, the Albas and the Adams and the Peraltas and the Hawks and the eighties generation, right? And a lot of the skaters today don't know who they are, and that's because they didn't grow up with them. And that's just the yeah. natural progression of everything that happens. <clears throat> Man, so you you being a skater as well, an OG skater, what are your thoughts with skateboarding being implemented into the Olympics? Aha, yes. Okay. I, you know what? It's I love to see you know countries like brazil winning because i'm half brazilian and half portuguese and i love to see it becoming an olympic sport it's gonna take a little bit of that rebel factor away from skateboarding you know it looks like it's gonna be here to stay and for those that don't like it and unfortunately it's going to be an olympic sport all i could say is that if you don't support it 
don't watch it. Just go out and tread the streets. I see what you're saying. And I've asked that question to a couple of different people that are skateboarders. Because, you know, for myself, I am not a skateboarder, so to speak. I am someone who skateboards, who happens to skateboard. You know, okay. I like the action of, or the actual physical activity of skating, but I never really got into the lifestyle, so to speak. And I find it for a lot of the people who delved into the skateboarding lifestyle, who took it a lot more than just an actual physical sport. They kind of have that feeling of like, you know, it was kind of that rebellious nature that drew them to that lifestyle, but now it's going to be taken away because it's become, you know, an official thing. Can I be completely honest with you? Yeah. I feel that they introduced um, skateboarding as an Olympic sport is to gain a new audience. That's my opinion, because the Olympics, to be honest with you, the Olympics sometimes can get pretty boring and they needed to reach out to a new crowd, a new audience. And I think that's why they introduced it. I see. I see. And I see that answer or that train of thought, because it definitely is the first year I've watched the Olympics in who knows how long. And it was because of skateboarding. And I'm sure a lot of us did that because of skateboarding as well. And that's why I brought up that because I was like, I can't even remember the last time I saw the Olympics. And because I heard skateboarding was involved this year, that's why I watched it. So they got me. They got me. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Um, it did. <laughs> but either way, you know, any publicity is good publicity, right? So Yeah, and you're not going to please everybody. No matter what yeah. happens, you're not going to please everybody. There's going to be people that don't like it, and there's going to be people that like it. That's just the way it is. You can't please everyone. Man, talking about, you know, putting skateboarding kind of like into the mainstream or officially, did you see the big fingerboarding video that came out? couple days ago with a lot of the big fingerboarders and i'm sure you've seen the memes of it on instagram with mike and different people but do you remember the youtube channel smosh these two guys oh. knuckleheads they would be doing skits and all that stuff they were very early on too i've heard of them but i don't think i've ever like watched any of their stuff okay so one of the members or the original founders his name is anthony padilla and he put out a video two days ago of I spent a day with pro fingerboarders and he has a bunch of people in that video, including Mike Schneider. And yes, I did see that post, but I haven't watched the video yet. All right, because, you know, he has 5.72 million subs on YouTube, which is a lot more than a lot of fingerboarding channels. So mm -hmm. that's going to bring a lot of different eyes into the community because, you know, with how big the community is, so to speak, it's also very, very small. I was just going to see if you had any thoughts on that yet, but if you hadn't seen the video yet, maybe we'll just talk about it in the next one. If you're saying that the dude has close to 6 million followers, I mean, that's going to be huge exposure for fingerboarding. And again, people who watch that video, they're going to be like, awesome, or they're going to be, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. He's obviously not going to please all of his viewers. I mean, either way, we do it because we love it. So at the end of the day, I mean, that's kind of all that matters. I mean, I remember Mike when he did, what was it? My Big Story or that little like documentary video that he did going back on that video now and reading the comments i mean they're rough like they are pretty rough and people get brave behind their keyboards keyboard warriors yeah. and they don't realize i mean it doesn't affect me but it can affect somebody else who's reading yeah. that comment and you, there's no need for it if you don't have pos something positive to say just move on you didn't like it go to the next video that you want to watch there's no need for you to leave that type of comment okay i don't want to take up too much more of your time so I'm gonna move on to the last two questions that I like to ask everybody that comes onto the show. First one being, out of your entire fingerboard collection, do you have one piece that sticks out as your favorite and why? Oh, wow, that is a doozy. 
Um, to say just one, there isn't just a specific one. There was a setup that I used to have, Berlinwood setup. It's a 29 millimeter blue camel because it had blue trucks, blue wheels. The only thing it didn't have that was blue on it, the grip tape, blue FBS style grip tape, I guarantee you would have been on there. And it's yeah. not just because of the way that the setup looked. When you get that one setup where everything just feels super comfortable and every trick is just like awesome, that was the setup. Then I slowly moved into, you know, the whole getting wider 32 millimeter and now we're at 34, 35, 36. Oh, I'm man, still at 32. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still a 32 millimeter fingerboarder, but honestly, there's always a few times where I reach into my box here and I pull out and I just have a fun little sesh with it. Nice. That's awesome. Oh, man. So, okay. Final question for you. For those that are listening that, you know, have looked up to you for so long or just now you found out who you were and, and are interested in about your you know, going to go look at your older stuff or whatever else. What's the one piece of advice that you would give them if they were kind of trying to emulate what you did in regards to YouTube and videos and, you know, kind of being the legend that you are? Well, I mean, I guess it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. If you're not keeping it real and straight and show that you're doing this for something that you love to do, people are going to pick up on that. If you're looking to start making videos to become popular or to get sponsored, people are going to pick up on that. It goes with the cliche, be yourself. And when it comes to comments, treat others as you want to be treated. Awesome. I could not have said any of that better myself. Very, very wise words. Sid, thank you very, very much for coming on to the show, man. Spreading your knowledge and giving us just a plethora of information that you've blessed us with. Listen, I mean, I had a blast. I really thank you for inviting me. Of course, Sid. And again, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely awesome, man. And until the next one, you know, keep fingerboarding. Two fingers. Peace. Yes, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sid. It's been oh, awesome, awesome, man. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Fingerspace Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.